such a up. fine line between stupid and, and clever. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. My name is Sergeant Frank Drebin, Detective Lieutenant Police Squad. A special detail of the police department. There'd been a recent wave of gorgeous fashion models found naked and unconscious in laundromats on the west side. Unfortunately, I was assigned to investigate holdups at neighborhood credit unions. If the holdup man had been where Sally Decker said, the bullet should have penetrated deeper. Let me show you what we did. These guns are identical to the one that killed Jim Johnson. Watch carefully as I test fire this gun into these videotapes of Barbara Walters' interviews. See it completely destroys the Burt Reynolds interview and everything from, from Bo Derrick to Paul Newman, but only up to the point where Barbara asks him, is it difficult to love? Now, let me show you what happens when the gun is fired from three feet, which is the distance Sally claimed the shots were fired from. Notice, complete destruction. Right up to the point where she asked Catherine Hepburn what kind of tree she'd like to be. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move up. Before we start, I'd like to say something. No reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. Got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lunnan. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there. Who is he? Where's he coming from? It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy. It is May 12th, 2023. And I've got a few items I want to talk about today. My last episode was about grunge. And I hit some nerves. <laughs> I've got a few emails I'm going to share with you. Then we're going to talk about news. And then I want to tell you about what I did last night. And I think, hopefully, a lot of this will tie together and, and will make sense. I'm hoping. We'll see. <laughs> okay, first... Just a few quick news items. This will be interesting. Ingve Malmsteen and Glenn Hughes are announcing a joint tour. They're not touring together in the same band. It's a co-headlining U.S. tour. Short one. Uh, it's happening during August and September. Glenn Hughes, of course, uh, just a journeyman bass player. He's played with lots of people, super talented, great bass player, great vocalist. He was in Deep Purple. He was uh, in Black Sabbath. He's been in multiple projects, worked with pretty much everyone. He's got quite a catalog. He can sing. So he'll be joining Ingve Malmsteen for this summer tour. And that would, I think that'd be a fun show. Looks like it's kicking off in New Jersey. Well, the first date in New Jersey is just Glenn Hughes. Uh, so the joint tour looks like it starts August 18th in Hudson Falls, New York. They're 
pretty much doing the East Coast, then across the middle of the country. Uh, they're hitting the West Coast, California, Arizona, you know, throughout September. And it looks like they'll wrap up on the 23rd of September in Clearwater, Florida. Of course, more dates might be added, but but for now, that looks like uh, where it will wrap up. So I think that'd be a fun show. I'd love to go see Malmsteen and Glenn Hughes. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Another news item. I'm a Stephen Piercy fan, right? I'm a rat fan. Uh, Stephen actually follows us on Twitter, which is kind of cool. And I've reached out to him, and and he's open to coming on and doing an interview. So at some point, we're gonna we're gonna have him on. But you know, I I hesitate to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's a steaming pile of crap. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is is a complete joke. So. Part of me wants to just not even talk about them because that just gives them press that they don't deserve because they are such a steaming pile of crap. But Stephen Piercy chimed in on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he's exactly right. He says that the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has a bias against bands from the 80s, and that is completely true. Uh, To quote him, these are his words, they don't give a shit about us, the 80s groups at all. He's absolutely right. How is it that Green Day can be in the Rock Hall and so many of these 80s bands are not? don't, Don't even get me started. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, complete joke. You know, just look at who they're they're inducting this year. It's a complete joke complete joke. So I'm just going to say this. Stephen Piercy is right on, brother. You're exactly right. And again, one of my favorite videos to watch, watch the after induction press conference from about, gosh, it's been almost 10 years ago now when they inducted Steve Miller. One of my favorite things to watch is at the end, Steve Miller just rips the hall a new one and just really talks about what a joke the organization is, the hall is, and uh, he, he's com- completely right. He uh, Steve Miller was completely right. Stephen Piercy is completely right. It's a, it's a joke that bands like Foreigner and Styx are not in the hall. And yet, you know, I could list 20 artists, Nina Simone, that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Tom Waits is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And yet, Sticks and Foreigner aren't. I mean, that's just idiotic. Stupid. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is on par with Rolling Stone Magazine as far as being useless pseudo-music institutions. Just a complete joke. So, love it, Stephen. And... uh Keep up the good work. All right. Now, my last episode, we talked about grunge. And just, you know, to set the record straight, I did lay out some negatives that I think came out of the grunge era. But but at the at the end, I said it kind of evened out, right? I was I, I came down right in the middle saying the the positive and the negative of that grunge era kind of evened each other out. So it wasn't all negative, right? I recognize the fact that there were some some good things that came out of it, but also a lot of bad, I thought, in my personal opinion. Well, I got three emails specific to that, and I'll share those with you. 
And just like my Twitter poll, my Twitter poll was about two to one. Two to one thought that grunge was good. And about a third of the folks thought that grunge was bad. So that's how my emails kind of shook out. So let me just share the emails that I got. And again, guys, send me an email. I will share it on the air, even if it's negative. That's okay with me. I, I appreciate you emailing me and we can still be friends, even if we disagree, right? So here's my first email. This is from Doug. Hey, Jeremy, first, I enjoy your podcast a lot, but I must take exception to your thoughts on grunge. I understand if you personally don't like it, but I think you are off base on many of your points. For instance, you made the case that the record companies would only sign grunge bands. That may be true, but that is not the fault of the grunge bands. You also seem to link grunge to the fact that the way records are promoted and distributed has completely changed. I don't think that has anything to do with the grunge movement. I am in the camp that says grunge came at a time when the music industry needed a shakeup, and grunge gave them that. I am a fan of grunge and consider it classic rock, just like hair metal or southern rock or any other subgenre of rock. Anyways, just my two cents. Don't worry, I'll keep listening. Rock on, <laughs> Doug. Thanks, Doug, uh, and and thanks. That's a great email, and you you bring up some good points. Some of it is I maybe didn't explain myself as well, and some of it is you're probably right, and I, and I was maybe off base on that. The point I was making, and you're right, I didn't mean to lay this at the feet of grunge, the fact that the, the way the music industry has changed, the way records are promoted and, and, and all of that. And you're right. I mean, that's not grunge's fault that, that the industry has changed. Uh, and, and, and by the way, and I've talked about this on other episodes, there are some good things about the way things have changed. So like, for instance, let me give you an example. The traditional model throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, into the 90s was there were a few record companies. They would book you, right? And uh, they'd push it out and promote it on radio. People listened to radio. And that was kind of the vehicle uh, record companies used to, to push their product. Well, that kind of changed. And, you know, the, the driving factor, I think, in a lot of that was technology, was the Internet. Because all of a sudden, people had different ways to hear music. It wasn't just the radio. That wasn't the only way. And so then we had all these places that you could stream, right? We had, remember, Napster. We had all of this stuff that was happening in the 90s that changed the way Artists could interface with their listeners. It also, in a way, leveled the playing field. It, it wasn't now all of these bands had to funnel through just a few record companies to get their music out because now there were platforms. Anyone can, go, can make an album in their basement and now distribute it. I mean, we have, we have stars that built their careers on the internet, Justin Bieber, right? There's just different opportunities now for people to get their music out. And so the democratization of music, and, and I think that's a good thing, right? Because no one's at the mercy of these few record companies to 
to push their music out there. And there, and I, I use uh, Justin Bieber as, as an example. There are several other examples I could have used of folks that have built their own careers on their own, right? Starting out on YouTube or upload something on a streaming platform and they can kind of build their own success, right? And I think that's that's a good thing. And the way that radio has changed and the way that radio has less of a an impact on the music business, I mean, some of that's good, right? Some of that's good. Is it fair for me to blame grunge for that? No, it's not. But I mean, that's one of the things that happened after grunge. But correlation does not mean causation, right? It doesn't mean that, that grunge was part of it. So that's a good point you bring up. That's a good point you bring up. What else do you say? You said um, that you consider grunge classic rock, just like hair metal or Southern rock or any other subgenre. So I will say this, the classic rock station here in town where I live, I live in Spokane, Washington, they play grunge, you know, so, so I guess, you know, I guess maybe grunge is classic rock, you know, in my mind, I've never really considered that classic rock, but it is what it is. So Doug, thanks for the email. Appreciate it. Uh, again, any of you can email me classic guitar rock at mail.com. Here's someone that was, uh, I think they were on my side, short email. This is from Omar. Dear CGR dude. I like that CGR dude. I listened to your episode today about grunge. Is it good or bad? I hated grunge. Most of the bands sucked. I would much rather listen to bad hair metal than good grunge. Also, I'd love to hear you talk about one of my favorite bands, Accept. Omar. Okay, Omar, thank you so much. I like Accept. Maybe we can talk about them sometime. One more email. This is from John Lieber. Hope I can say your name, John, out loud, because I just did. Hi, I wanted to chime in about grunge. At the risk of offending you, I think you are kind of closed-minded. You should open your ears and mind and listen to more stuff from that era. Just saying, John Lieber. Okay, thank you, John. Thanks for the email. I will take that under advisement. Again, I would love to hear your thoughts on grunge or anything else we talk about. You can email me at classicguitarrock at mail.com. Now, when we come back, I want to tell you about something that I did last night that has was really thought-provoking, and I want to share that with you. That's all coming up right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. This is Evil Knievel and the Evil Knievel shock-absorbing stunt cycle. You can make him do wheelies, backstands, even mid-air somersaults. And for that big jump, here's Evil up and over that four-foot ditch. Evil Knievel sold separately or with the Evil Knievel stunt cycle from Ideal. This podcast goes to 11. It's one louder, isn't it? The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Friday, May the 12th, 2023. I am Jeremy, your humble host, and I'm so glad that you're joining me here today. 
I want to tell you about something my wife and I did last night. So my wife uh, has an ad agency. She has had an ad agency. We both worked in radio for a number of years. She was more on the sales side. I was on the programming side. Uh, To make a long story short, she has an ad agency that she's had since 95, so quite a while now. So she works with all the radio stations in the area and one of the benefits of that is we we often get free tickets to stuff, which is great. There's a band, touring band, they've been doing it for about 20 years called Hairball. Hairball, well, it it's a play on hair metal, right? And so these guys tour around the country and they do uh, i mean it's it's a cover band obviously but it's it's a pretty big deal for a cover band right they've been doing it like i said for 20 years 23 years or something they're super good and as the name implies they play a lot of hair metal so they they play kiss they do def leppard they do journey they do acdc bon jovi motley crue uh queen Queen's not really hair metal. Alice Cooper, but you get the point, right? All that music that most of us listening grew up with, that's what they do. So my wife, she had told me, gosh, a couple months ago, she said, hey, I got us tickets to see Hairball. And at first I'm like, what the heck is that? And then she said, well, it's this, it's this hair metal tribute thing. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And I never thought another thing about it. And then... Uh, Earlier this week, she says, hey, remember Thursday night, we have the hairball thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Never really thought anything about it again. So we go last night. This is in downtown Spokane. We go last night and, you know, we had good seats. We're like fourth row. We're in the, uh, it's it's the first interstate center for the performing art. It's a nice performing arts center. So it's not a typical you know, big armory or, a, I mean, it's, this is, this is where you go to see orchestras and symphonies and, you know, ballet recite. So it's a nice performing arts center. Probably it's got, you know, a floor level and two balcony levels. I mean, if it's packed, I'm guessing it would hold, I don't know, 4,000 people, maybe 3,000 people. So not really big. And this place wasn't packed. The The bottom was completely packed. The balconies, it didn't look like had people in them. So I'm guessing they were probably 2,000 people would, would be my guess. It was the most fun my wife and I have had at a show in years. And I'm a fairly regular concert goer. And I go see the legacy bands, you know, when they come through fairly often. And for someone from my generation, okay, I'm 55 years old, and I was there with a bunch of other 55-year-olds, right? The crowd was, you know, I would say the median age there was probably 50, right? There were some people younger. There were some people older. But but a few observations I made to my wife, and we kind of laughed as we talked about this. And, And I said, man, it's amazing how all the people our age are so old. <laughs> of course, I'm excluding myself because I don't think I'm that old. But when I looked around, I'm like, dude, we're getting old. I mean, there, you see people that with their all gray hair and they're, you know, they're singing along this Def Leppard music and they're all into it and they're, dude, they're old. We're getting old. 
but it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and so it was kind of bittersweet in that it did make me realize that we're getting old. This generation, Gen Xers, right? People that graduated from high school in the 70s and 80s and even early 90s, right? We're getting older. <laughs> so, so from that standpoint, it really made me uh, wax philosophical about how we're getting older. And I know that's been a common theme on the podcast. Our, our favorite artists are getting older. And with that comes unintended consequences, right? As, as you get older, you can't sing as well. You know, it's a little harder for you to perform on a, on a tour and do all of these things. How often are we just in the last episode? I think, or maybe the one before that, we're talking about how foreigner is, is touring. And th there aren't any original members left in the band, right? It's all about the aging of Gen X and, and the baby boomers that are still in rock and roll. And the clock is ticking. So we got to get out and enjoy it while it lasts. You know, if we have the opportunity to see these original artists while they're still performing, go out and do it while you can. Okay. I saw John Fogarty last summer. John Fogarty's getting up there in age. He still does a great show. So go see him while you can. Go see Journey while you can. Now, I get it. Steve Perry's not there, whatever. But go see Foreigner while you can. You see these bands while you can still see them live, okay? Because they're only getting older. They're only getting older. And this is what will tie in with the, with the grunge. And I don't mean to be beating up on grunge. But And my wife even made this. My wife's not a music nerd like I am, right? But my wife even made the case as we were driving home. You know, she said, you know, people laugh about hair metal and, and you know, and, and part of the shtick of the show is there's a core band of three guys, a drummer, a guitar player, and a bass player, and they're, they're really good, really tight band. And then there's three different singers that they just rotate through the evening with. It took us a while to figure out there were three singers. At first, I thought there was only two, but then one of the costume changes, it would have been impossible for it to be only two guys the way it worked out. And then finally, at the end, it confirmed when they all came out, we saw all three of the singers. So, but two of them looked very similar. So I was thinking that, that they were doing it with just two singers rotating in or out, in and out, but it would be too tough to, to do the costume changes because they literally have to have a different singer for each little set. So like, for instance, the first set, the, they open with Kiss, right? And they do like a three song Kiss set with both a, a Peter or not Peter, a Paul Stanley character and a Gene Simmons uh, character. So there's two of the singers are kind of tied up in that. So they do like three Kiss songs and then they came out and I think did uh, Motley Crue next. They had a guy come out and do Motley Crue, but so they're just rotating you know, the different singers out and with full, full costume changes. So if they're doing Def Leppard, the guys dress like Joe Elliott. If they're doing Kiss, obviously they're doing the full Kiss makeup. If they're doing Twisted Sister, the guys got the full on D Snyder going on. So Laura's point was, you know, even though it's, it's funny, you know, we kind of laugh and think it's campy and they're in the costumes and all of this. That music is fun. Everyone there was having fun. And I, I mention this when I talk about grunge and I stick to this. Grunge was not fun. It was not fun. 
hair metal to me was fun. And this band just, I can't say enough about how fun they were. Hairball. If hairball comes to your town, make sure you go see them because you will have a blast. Now, from a, from a technical standpoint, mu- uh, uh, musicianship, they were really good, really tight. The singers were all really good. There's one part where they came out and they did, uh, under pressure. And then they went into, what was the other? Oh, they went into Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, how are they going to do this? Cause it's, it's literally a three piece backing band. Obviously the piano was canned. So the piano was recorded. But as you know, that middle part of Bohemian Rhapsody, where you got all the a hundred different vocal things happening. I'm like, how the heck are they going to do this live? So they get all up to that middle part. The guy's dressed like Freddie Mercury. I mean, he's he's singing great. But then, and this was, to me, one of the coolest parts of the show, is they synced up with the scene from Wayne's World where they're all driving home in the car and they're singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody, all the, you know, uh, that that operatic part in the middle. We will not let you go. We'll not let you go. You know, that whole part, that's the part I was like, how are they going to pull all that off? So they just interwove that scene. Of course, they got video screens. They're showing part of Wayne's world where they're doing all of that. And I'm a nerd, so I notice all this. So at this point, the band's not even playing, but they got the sound mixed so well with that middle part from Wayne's world that you see all that footage and then they get through that part and they come back for the screaming guitar solo and stuff after that, where the band's playing live again. But it was woven together so well and so well done. You didn't even notice that for the whole middle of the song, it was, you're just listening to the recording and watching a video, but it was just really well done. And I don't know anything about these musicians. Even if you go to their website, it, it doesn't really give their real names. It appeared to me the guitar player was older. You know, he he's probably, I'm guessing he's maybe in his 50s, you know. Everyone else looked like they were maybe a little younger. But again, this has been a touring outfit for like 20 years. And the most impressive part of the show to me was the, the last set they did, kind of the encore set, was an ACDC set. And this guy who was the singer, you know, dressed like Brian Johnson. He was, he nailed it. It was awesome. And I made the the point to my wife, and this kind of goes back to this discussion we've had about being a purist, right? I don't want to go see him if it's not the original band, right? I, I get that. There's a nostalgia factor that people have. But I guarantee you, if you went and saw ACDC right now, and then you watched Hairball right now. Hairball sounds way better. I mean, nothing against Brian Johnson, but Brian Johnson can't sing like Brian Johnson sang in the 80s. This guy last night sounded like Brian Johnson in the 80s, right? So for pure sonic enjoyment, these guys across the board sounded better than if I were to go out and see any of the real bands live right now. Seriously, they sounded way better than Motley Crue would sound if you went and saw Motley Crue. They, I mean, across the board, right? So, again, a lot of people are this adamant about, I don't want to see it if it's not the original people. And that's okay. 
But from a sonic, from a musical standpoint, a polished touring band like these guys, talented musicians that are younger, uh, are probably going to sound better than the real thing. I'm just throwing it out there, right? For sure, they sounded better than Kiss <laughs> sounds now. So Kiss, Motley Crue, I mean, if you just want a fun night, if I don't know what their tour schedule is. I think they tour every year. You know, they probably over the course of a year, they'll come close to your area. But if you have a chance to see Hairball, I had never heard of them until Laura got these tickets. Uh, but it was really good. And it really reminded me of the great music that we had. It was mostly specifically from the 80s. They were doing some Alice Cooper and Queen stuff that was from the 70s. But for the most part, it was 80s music. And yeah, we laugh at the costumes. We, we, you know, it's really good stuff, really fun. And I'm really glad I grew up hearing that stuff. And it was a lot more fun than grunge. I'm just going to throw that out there. So thanks for tuning in. I would love to hear your thoughts. Shoot me an email, classicguitarrock at mail.com. If you've got recommendations for some albums you'd like us to talk about or bands you'd like us to dig into, we'd love to do that. And please, if you're not already, if you're on Twitter, give us a follow at ClassicGuitarR1. At ClassicGuitarR1. We'll see you next time right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetie! Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.